Why go to all the trouble of experiencing the great outdoors for yourself when you can listen to a few Northwest Outdoor experts yap about it? This is the Three Rivers Marine Outdoor Line with Tom Nelson and Joey Pyburn on Seattle Sports. The Outdoor Line is brought to you by Yamaha, Sportco Outdoor Emporium, Duckworth Boats, Roy Robinson RV, Kitsap Marina, Bob's Heating and Air Conditioning, Rain Marine, and Les Schwab Tires. Hello, good morning, and welcome to the Outdoor Line, streaming live on MyNorthwest.com. Don't forget about the live video feed on 710sports.com, and of course, the venerable the Outdoorline.com with blogs, podcasts, and so very, very much more. Joey Pyburn. There's been some uh, some Chinook hitting yes, the deck. This is true. Finally. This, we, is, this we, is quite true. We had a a little bit of a weird thing going on. Just one weird, little weird thing? <laughs> well, one, Generally, one little, we have a crop of we really do, weird things. But yeah. we norm, normally, we don't have weird things going on on the boat. Uh, we're usually fairly consistent. If other people are catching fish, we, we kind of... You know, hold their yeah, own. No doubt. Uh, we went We went cold. We, we went quiet. Yeah. We went quiet. And it happened th- shortly after our friend Tommy Gobin had a little <laughs> incident on the boat. Um, we were, but we're not going to talk about that. What we are going to talk about is the fact that Tommy brought brought some cedar yes. boughs down to the boat. And, and, as, and, it, as, and it changed our luck it like did. that. Yeah, it was just that. It was just absolutely amazing. And, and it, your luck changed oh, up north. Dude, let me tell you. Matthew and I just got back from Peregrine Lodge. With uh, Brock Heward and Dave Wyman. Of course, Dave's, Dave's going to join us in the second hour. The, the, the process of turning Dave Wyman into a, into a passionate fisherman is going to take a little longer than it took Brock, right? Yeah, I we, think it, it happened pretty quick for Brock. No, we, we broke Brock. And I had, first time he came up to Sitkin, this is over 10 years now. I mean, we had, he had him into a king in like 10 minutes. And this, and this is after he made a couple trips to Vancouver Island where it takes all day to get there. I mean, I love the west side of Vancouver Island. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But it takes all day to get there. It does. Right? So, um, you, you know, and, and, and just to have those guys up there was just amazing. And all the people that came with us up to Peregrine and, and uh, it was just, it was a great time to spend that time with listeners and, you know, uh, guys, you know, that have been coming up there for a long time. You know, my friend John Mock and, 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 and a whole, whole bunch. John brings a, brings a humidor with him at, at all times, right? And then we ran into uh, the Dickens family and sat next to him at dinner. And, and uh, he was actually out there on the bubble yesterday as well. And so, you know, it's spent time with the listeners, but then to watch how, Everybody interacts with Brock and Dave because they obviously listen to their shows, and 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 uh, it, it was just it was a great trip. Fishing was off the chart. I don't I don't have words. Yeah. So um, the first day, I think we probably hooked thirty five or forty kings, and wow. I mean every single bait. You know, and like you said, I'd I'd, I'd gone a little cold, and and so to get up to Peregrine. And and I'd heard how good it was, and so I put the first herring down with my best spin on it, and Matthew hooked up first, right? And then I watched my rod bend over. We had four doubles that that, how that cool. day. Oh, it's just and then and then that forty. Here comes here comes a rock truck into a brick wall, horrifying mushroom cloud strike, dude. And then this fish went straight down. I I. I thought for all my life it was a halibut because mm-hmm. we caught so many halibut in the salmon drags the year before, and this thing just went straight down and was giving me that heavy, heavy thump, right? And then and then we got off the fish with the boat a little bit, and that line angle changed, and I saw a flash of, oh, it's that's a not one. a halibut. No, <laughs> that's not a brown one. 
And, uh, I mean, I, I was pulling on him, but I, you know, I, I was very, very careful with him. But I was still giving him the snooze, and, and it took almost 20 minutes to get him in. And uh, and when I did, you know, just a little uh, puff of blood come out, and, and, and I know his tongue hooked. And, and so that so then I knew when I saw that, okay, he's weakening, and so we got him on the first pass. Yeah. Generally, you don't do that on a big fish. Big like you fish, do yeah. not get him on the first nope. pass. He's you know, gonna he's gonna make another and, run. And on make you. another run. But but you know when they when they start kind of they start losing their blood pressure, they just lose their bodily strength. And it was a white one. Oh, a white so king. cool! I and, can't and, wait oh, for that to come out of the smoker oh, and get a, get a piece of that. Let me let me tell you. Well, well, you know, our friend Tommy Coben's been. You know, he's on the bubble this morning with his buddy George, and 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 so he always brings some smoked salmon on the boat, and, and so. This I'm going to be the return trip, right? But the but the strips on that thing from the back to the belly are going to be like 18 inches. Jeez. It was dude, that was a big long king. Yeah. So, but so many people just just hammered the heck out of it. our friend Rick Poyer, who's been coming on these trips ever since we used to work on the West Side. Uh, he got a tie. So you know, it, it, you know, to have a 30 and a 40 happen on the listener trip was was absolutely amazing. And I just I, I really if those of you that kind of considered it. Please come next year. It is just it. We saw a lot of smaller kings. I'm not saying every single king we had to the boat was a teener. I mean, there was a few tens, but there was also fish that hooked that the kings that were hooked that nobody got to see, mm-hmm. just because they just beat people up and left and got around a downrigger wire, whatever. Right? Yeah. I mean, they just be you're, you're not going to land every every big fish. And it's the same story, you know, up up and down the coast right now. And and now that's what you saw in Sitka is manifesting itself. On the top end of of Haida Gwaii, on the west side of Vancouver Island, and Nia Bay opener last last week was dude, very solid, dude. It was solid, and and I mean, was it more than it was more than half a Chinook rod yeah. out there? Um, and uh, we'll, we'll we'll go through the catch stats a little bit later, but uh, yeah, two hundred thirty four Chinook came in, six hundred thirty anglers, I think, was yeah. the number. Uh, they're catching some coho out there too, sure. And then you know, I I checked in with uh, Dave Johnson from Kitsap Marina this week. And just wanted to get a little bit of a feel for what he thought the Westport opener was going to be like. And he'd talked to uh, one of his commercial troller buddies who said he was out there living on top of a biomass of what he said were like four-year-old toolies. Darn. Those are those are twenty five pound tulies. Those are headed for the Colombian. We'll be we'll be uh, visiting those fish here in in August down at Bowie Ten. But I mean, he the, well the, before, the they get, before they get to Bowie Ten, they're, they're going to get a crack drive out of them out the Westport fishery sure. and drive the, the Owaco fishery yeah. and 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 dude for an opener. We stand here this morning at oh six oh seven hours on June twenty fourth. Looking at a coastal forecast from from Cape Flattery down to Shoalwater, it's you, you got to love it when the forecast is all one block and there's no bold. It's West Ten. This forecast is not good for Chinook. Oh, dude, there's, the weather is not an issue out of Westport. West, West West Ten wind waves a foot and 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 a swell two feet at nine seconds. Okay, so that's a total, and then it stretches out if you get a little farther. So basically, you're looking at a total of three footers at nine seconds. That's doable in, in a lot of boats. Sure. That's that's pretty darn flat out there. Closer to home, um, this time next Saturday, we're, we're going to see crab here in Puget Sound open up. We've got Marine Area 11. I know guys are absolutely licking their chops because that opener in Area 11 after you know, have being shut down for a while. That's going to be a heck of a fishery. I know our dear friends Bob Buchanan and Gabe Gabe Miller, amongst others. At yeah, the, they'll be down the there Port working. Point Defiance Boathouse is going to be going to be doing it down there. You rotten meat rotters down there 
with with the technique I don't understand, which is kind of a cross between a downrigger and a fishing rod, but bless you for doing it. Um, and then, of course, CQ opens up, six opens up, you know, port, uh, East Strait with a bigger catch quota than we've seen in the straits in a long time yeah right we, we and then you know we're, we're still going to be you know a, a week and a half out from from area seven and area nine opening up that dude that's going to be a meltdown chinook drill there buddy that it, is going to be good we need three more skippers for the dog derby okay look and here's the deal there was kind of a confusion on the website dogderby.com it doesn't cost anything for you to enter your boat okay and, and, you know, we're asking that you take these University of Washington football players out. And Shane Palco is on the boat yesterday. Somehow he got a University of Washington gymnast, and she's from Texas. I don't know how he did that, but, but that's very <laughs> strong work, Shane. That's just, just sim- sim- simply outstanding. Um, but, you know, to, to interact with these football players and have them on your boat and, and you, know, you develop friendships with them, which, which, is, which is wonderful. Well, and, and like you said, it doesn't cost the captains anything. It doesn't. And look, we're going we're gonna to shower you with some gear we and are. some swag. Dude, you and brought $5,000 worth of bait you, down the you, dock that day. You get the network. You do. You get yeah. to be part well, of what, so you know. Before the, so the dog derby is on the 15th of, of July, okay? So um, Joey and I will go. The opener's on the 13th. So on the 12th, we're going to join the freaking Port Everett Gas Dock Pro Staff, and we're going to run the whole area, okay, yeah. and like we did last year. And we'll take screenshots of where we saw fish and exactly. So, so we'll do the split screen chart plotter fish finder program and I'll take shots of those and I'll put them into a PowerPoint that's going to be on the virtual captain's meeting um, the day before the area nine opener. Okay. So that's information that we only give to the dog derby dudes. Right. Yep. And, and I don't, I'm not going to post that anywhere else. It's not going to be available anywhere else, but it's, it's a heck of a way to get off to a fast start on this fishery, and 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 it's going to be a good one, gang. I I, I am so looking forward to what's going to happen in July, is because I mean the word on the street there's there's just absolutely chinook everywhere, and uh, I would confirm that right now personally. Yeah, well, just just you know we've been out on the water bouncing around a little bit. Uh, you know when I was down there with Kester in Area Ten, you know we're fishing that upper sixty feet of water, but I'm looking at what's down below sure. us the whole time. And there were big arches down deep on the bay. And that's going to be – it's everywhere. I'll guarantee it. It's – Area 7 is probably just plugged right now. Um, area 9 is going to be – it's well, just going to be a, and, a complete blowout. And and last year we actually jigged some herring too, you know, remember? And mm-hmm. and, uh, and and looked at these – looked at this bait down there and – it, it's there's a bunch of bait in Puget Sound right now, and you've been you've been processing bait. In fact, I met Joey at the Starbucks down the street, and here's Joey showing up with rock salted, beautiful, fresh herring, which yeah. we're going to be spinning a little bit later this morning. I promise you that. Got a great show lined up for you today. First time guest and and somebody I've respected for a long time, Kerry Hoffman, BestSeattleFishing.com. dot com. Um, he's on his way down to the Callets. He'd been working the the Marine Area Ten Resi Resi Coho program, but he's on down uh, going to fish the Callet Steelhead program. Uh, then, then of course our fr- our uh, our friend Lauren Bivens, the Dungeness Crabbing Clinic at Harbor Marine, June twenty seventh and six. Joey Pyburn and I and 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 several other uh, crabby 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 individuals will be down there. Uh, hope to see you there and just some hands on stuff. We we uh, I'll run through my crabbing PowerPoint. We're going to discuss different types of gear. 
We're also going to discuss gear retention, right? Because so many people put their crab gear out, and if you don't have a heavy enough pot or you're using polyline or not enough line, your pots can move. And Puget Sound is a little more vast than you think it is when you're looking for one red and white float, right? So we're going we're gonna to discuss baits, bait armoring techniques. Joey's going to have samples of stuff down there. We're going to have giveaways, free Copenhagen for the kitties. All of this stuff <laughs> happening. Uh, this is Tuesday, 627, um, down, at, down at Harbor Marine. Please join us there at 6 p.m. We're going to be doing that deal. Uh, all right, we're going to pop out here. for. Oh, oh, excuse me, excuse me. And then the crusty linebacker from Stanford, Dave Wyman, jumping in this morning um, to talk to us about his Haida Gwaii experience. Professional Pro- salmon Pro- angler, yeah, Dave dude. Wyman. Well, the first time we got to do this, Matthew and I joined Wyman and his son, Jake, um, at West Coast. And and that was your first hel- my first helicopter ride, too. Yeah. And just what a... That was that was an epic Father's Day. It really was. I think what we just came back back from was a pretty epic Father's Day too. An epic weekend of drinking. <laughs> <laughs> so Wyman and Matthew became. I mean, you guys were you guys were buddies before, but the the one that cracked me up was the last night. Wyman wasn't going to shut down the bar with you, and and he went in and and you know him and Brock were bunking together, and uh, he went down, laid down in bed for like fifteen seconds. And thought, I can't leave Matt behind. So he got back No up. man left behind. He, he got back up and... Uh, the honorable thing to do. Yes. Yeah. And so <laughs> the bartender, Joel, was smoking glasses and making all these entertainment drinks, but he only does this, like, towards the end of the evening, right? Yeah, when he has time. Because me and Wyman were the only we, people The still only two awake. guys there. <laughs> so, we were the only people dumb enough to still be awake. <laughs> and, and, and so he's making all these just entertaining kind of drinks, smoking glasses. And I never heard of that one before, but yeah. Do you even know what, what, what you were jumping down at the end of the day? The end of the really. night? No, it didn't really matter. All right. Fair enough. Now, Peregrine Lodge next year, join us on the Father's Day trip. Why? Because you get to fish with Wyman, who we are over the next year going to turn into a fisherman. All right. We're going to pop out of here for a quick break. Uh, we're going to talk a little about, about crabbing next weekend, the Skagit, the Callots, Coastal Chinook, what's going on here locally. Give us 90 seconds and right back here. Hey, load up that text toy, too. 866-979-3776. That is the Reverse Shine Hotline brought to you by Wellcraft and Duckworth. It's also the text toy brought to you by Yamaha Outboards. 866-979-3776. Give us 90 seconds. Right back here in the Door line. Seattle Sports Station 710, Seattle Sports app. From the shining shores of Puget Sound to your radio, this is the Outdoor Line on Seattle Sports Station. Join us this Tuesday, the 27th at 6 p.m. Harbor Marines Crab and Clinic. Uh, Joey Pyburn and myself, and probably Bob Buchanan, going to come down there. Hopefully, Bob Buchanan. Man, we're going to talk about line management, the correct kind of gear, and up your catch in this fishery and, and make sure you hold on to your pots too because uh anybody can throw a pot overboard sure <laughs> the trick is <laughs> pulling it back and having some uh having some dungeness so when we were out uh shrimping the last time um uh, another boater had a a failure with their pot puller so yeah. they asked us to pull their gear for them well we pulled the gear i and it made me sad yeah i mean it wasn't weighted properly and there was no bait Dude. There was no bay left. So, and, you know, you're talking about a 45-minute or an hour know, soak, and, and their and, bait was gone. And, and they and we saw what they were using for bait. It was like, wow. Well, I mean, actually, we didn't because it was all gone. There was no yeah. bait left in the doggone thing. And that's what – so one of the things we really want to – we really want to impo- impress upon people is the fact that if you just stick a 
turkey leg on a pin and set it in the middle of the pot, dude, the crab are going to grind that thing and pick it clean. You have to you armor, armor your bait. Armor the bait. Yes. Okay, now how do you Protect do it from those that? creepy little crab. Otherwise, like you said, you know, you want them making all that racket and trying oh, to get man. at that bait. Yep. That attracts other crab. But if they can get a hold of it, it, they devour it. You just can't conceive how fast a bunch of Dungeness can get in and just hoover a pot, right? And and you that's an excellent point you made because the sounds they make when they eat, but the smells they make too. They have short little, yeah. short little digestive tracts, and they're putting out digestive enzymes and pheromones and all kind of stuff. They're going to call a bunch of crab. The best attractant you can have in a pot is having a crab in a pot because mm-hmm. others will come. And you and I have, have picked up commercial gear at times. You know, we just happen to be someplace and one pops up. And you can tell it's just encrusted with barnacles and stuff like that. And you'll pull that pot up. And the crabs that are in pots like that, we call gladiator crab. Because they're they're in there. And a, a smaller crab will uh, walk on by on the outside. And they go, hey, kid, come here. Come here, get in here. And then you're just going to find little upside-down shells of little yeah. tiny crab. Because they are you know they are cannibalistic. Okay, but And the, the biggest, point, strongest crab oh, survives. Crab and they that are, are delicious. Be, crab that are eating nothing but crabs are like crabs squared. They yes. t- taste just amazing. But here here's the deal. If you ever look at commercial gear, and, and make no mistake, that is the gold standard. The way the professionals do it, you just really can't improve upon that. But if you look at a crabber, all the pots are set up the same. If you have this kind of pot over here, and we use a bait cage over here, and this, it, dude, standardize your gear. Fish all the same lengths of line, and, and make sure your pots all can be baited the same. And for me... That means I take the largest Bomac bait cage that I can get my hands on. And I like I'm kind of getting more partial to the colored ones, to the to the to the orange ones. Take a minute before the opener, like the day before the opener, go through your gear and zip tie one of those bait cages to the middle of the pot. Remember the Bob Buchanan axiom. The amount of time the crab will stay in the pot is a function of the distance between the gate and the bait. Yeah. Does that make sense? So you put that right in the middle. Okay, so now you got this cage. What do you put in the cage? You put your bait straight in the cage? No. 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 You you put your bait in the heavy-duty crab bags. Then you put the bag in the cage. Okay? Now, that's just the dirtiest, dungeness, dastardly trick in the book because they got to work their little freaking pinchers off and now. And they, they just can't get it. They can't it. get they, it all. You know, they can't get it all. They They, they, they can... Barely get at it because once it's in that cage inside of oh, that bag. Oh, but they bag, eat it. They'll they, get they'll, it. They'll get it. But, you know, they're, they're dealing with all that fabric uh-huh. of that heavy fabric bait bag. Um, the, look, all this stuff, this is the the stuff that Nellie and I like. There's too much. We don't have We don't have enough time in a two-hour show to go through all the stuff that we see because, you know, we, we encounter other people's gear. Like it or not, we find like. Have you ever been out trolling along in at a drag, and you, you, we have uh, heavy enough gear that if we get wrapped around some pot that's sunk down there. We keep we we get we'll it up it. with our cannons, yeah. you know. We'll pull that thing well, up and get it out of there. We're running back from from fishing, and here's a crab pot halfway between Muckleteo and Possession Point. Yeah, on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Because it floated away, and and so what we'll do is we'll get that, and we generally bring them back to Bayside Marine, and where the guys there in the in the shop will call the owner if 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 their pots are if the floats are are marked correctly. Yeah, and then people get their stuff back. Bingo. Yeah. So, but if you see, but 
that's just gear that's fishing wrong. And nine times out of ten, it's an unweighted folding pot with yellow poly line and, and stuff. So come to the Crab Clinic. Uh, Lauren Bevan's going to jump in at 7 o'clock, tell us all about it. But we do have some giveaways and some other cool stuff. All right, we're going to pop out of here for a quick break. Let's go summer steelheading, dude. Definitely. I uh, love that, it. Dude, so much fun. And, and there's a bunch of them in the creek down there. Carrie Hoffman, bestseattlefishing.com. Little, uh, little Cowlitz steelhead drill coming at you next here in the Outdoor Line. Seattle Sports Station 710, Seattle Sports app. Welcome to the BOMAC Tech Line. BOMAC has all the gear for all your techniques, and SMI shellfish gear is simply the best. BOMAC, we catch big fish. Welcome to the Tech Line here in the Outdoor Line, Seattle Sports Station 710, Seattle Sports app. First-time guest, but a guy I've uh, had a lot of respect for for a long time. Terry Hoffman, bestseattlefishing.com. Mr. Hoffman, down south on I-5 to a major Columbia River tributary, which won't remain nameless. It's the Cowlitz. <laughs> Nobody's ever going to keep that crack a secret. But there's a whole bunch of hatchery fish there, and they're not just hatchery fish. They are summer steelhead that, once you hook them, spend just about as much time out of, the, bolts. out of the water as yeah. they do in it. Good morning, Kerry Hoffman. Welcome to the show. Morning, brother. Hey, good morning. Good morning, guys. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, so what's going on down there? Uh, are, are you guys actively fishing, or are you guys just getting ready to go? We're just getting ready to go, just prep some bait and got the whole gamut ready to go with some eggs and some coonies. But, um, yeah, it's a typical Saturday, a little, little crowded, but best opportunity in the state right now. So yeah, yeah, definitely. Expected. Yep, and and there's been some really, really nice uh, summer steelhead being caught down there. Uh, kind of run us through your pro. I mean, I know that that fishery has changed over the years. You know, back when I was delivering bait down there, it was it was a sand shrimp and eggs program, and it's kind of morphed into more of like a, a bead fishery. But you're running bait. Yeah, yeah, I kind of like it with the double hook setup. Uh, you mentioned it earlier. The steelhead spend more time out of the water than in the water when you're fighting them. So, two hooks with the bait of eggs is, is really helpful with that. Um, is what we've been finding, but. Yeah, it's more about just keeping something in the water. You know, it's a competitive fishery. Uh, there's a lot of talented uh, guides and private guys out here, and, you know, you just got to stay ahead of the game. That's that's the key is maximizing opportunity for your guys. Yeah, there's no question about it. I mean, you know, the t- time I was, times I worked that creek down there, if you stay in the blue creek drag right below the ramp, an ocean swell develops with a conveyor belt of jet sleds coming back up the creek. But later in the day, man, you got to kind of get off those fish and, and working on down to Bear Rug and working on down to some of the farther holes down there. But that's kind of when you can really have an enjoyable experience on the callus because you'll, you'll find a pot of fish there that nobody else is on. You can work them over, Carrie. No, for sure. No, and that's, and that's the best part about summer runs is, you know, you get the ability to spread out. We've actually had some good days above the ramp. Um, fishing up towards Barrier Dam and even down lower towards I-5. And, you know, you can choose your own adventure, so to speak, and you just got to be versatile and, and ready to go. Um, those fish don't like getting ran over, and they're pretty aggressive throughout the day, which is nice. So if you find them, like you said, you can get on them. Well, and, and, and to get a summer run out of a riffle like that, broken surface on top, really heavy-duty oxygenated water, which they absolutely love, and and then the water temperatures, you know, if you, in, in your mind's eye, you, you have a winter steelhead fight in your mind. But when you add six or seven degrees, which is, you know, probably a conservative estimate of the temperature swing between a really, really cold winter river and what you're experiencing right now, which is not a seasonal high, but still warmer, that has a metabolic, amazing enhancement to those fish that just make them fight like nothing they, they else. They are man. the hottest Dude, fish. Dude, so you can much hook. fun. 
So much fun. Oh, so how do you I'm coach your guys? Bars. Yeah, and how do you coach your guys up, though? Because those fish are going to get hooked, and they're going to rip line off the reel and go crazy. I mean, so for somebody that hadn't caught one before, what's your approach? What's your counsel? And how do you instruct these guys to make sure they don't just have one of these summer runs, beat them up, and leave? I mean, we use high-vis line and loose drags and tell everyone to follow their fish. And, you know, the <laughs> fish are fighting for their lives. You know, you're not you're not going to win everyone, and that's part of the fun with it. But um, you follow your fish, um, you know, clear the lines. The more lines on one fish doesn't necessarily make it easier to land. Uh, and you just kind of roll with the punches. Every fight situational. Every bite is unique and situational not every fish is biting it the same so it's it's kind of fun um in that aspect of it you know most of the time <laughs> if you're used to trolling or back mounts and things like that all that bite is about the same but man we've had some really weird ones and that's been keeping it entertaining and you just you just have your guys maintain tension on the rod and use a long limber rod um and hope for the best i guess yeah that's it <laughs> so so you're one of those guys who you're you know, a river guide, you fish Chinook yeah. in the rivers, steelhead in the rivers, sockeye in the rivers, and then you also, you're you're a Westport guy. You spend some time out there, and, the, and, you're, a, and you're a Puget Sound charter captain. You do pretty much every fishery we have here uh, in the Northwest. Um, talk a little bit about some of the other fisheries you're going to be doing this summer. I know you spend quite a bit of time chasing these resi cohos up here and then right into to summer Chinook. Um, you know, what, what's, what's kind of your favorite fish to chase? So my, my favorite one, unfortunately, is the one we can't target right now. Um, it's got Comer River Summer Chinook. Oh, um, and most, and we don't need to talk about that. We're all, we'll all shed a tear, but, um, you know, most of the, uh, years, uh, that's, that's where I'm at from June 1st until July 15th. I've got a uh, regular group of clients that love that fishery and, um, I understand why, you know, it's a really gorgeous place to fish with nice quality fish. But, you know, this week, uh, and even since June 1st, I mean, I've been up on the Skagit chasing uh, Spring Chinook. I've been down here on the college chasing summer runs. I've been out in Area 10 chasing resident coho. I mean, all over. Um, and as an operator, you know, I don't necessarily like having to do that, but I need to go to where we have the best opportunity for my clients. Um and we have um, uh, three boats uh, working daily out of Social Bay Marina in Seattle. Um, all three boats are out during Chinook season and during resident coho season. We have one to do, but having that uh, ability to switch around um, is how I make it as a full-time guide. I mean, without that, I'd, it'd be pretty tough. I really feel for um, a lot of the guys that just have river stuff or just have charter stuff uh, in the ocean. It's a unique situation for sure. Well, it, it, it's tough. And, and and the situation you alluded to in the Sky Comish was one that we really weren't aware of until the very, very last stages of the North, North Falcon process. And it had to do with uh, Canadian exploitation rates not being available for us to get them and, and make an allowance for that Sky Comish fishery. I'm not making excuses for WDFW. I think they absolutely dropped the ball on this one. But we'll get that um, fishery we'll get, back. We'll get that fishery back, and we're fighting to get you know some other opportunities back as well. We're talking with Kerry Hoffman, bestseattlefishing.com. Kerry, before we let you go, I kind of want to dive into this gadget sock ideal a little bit because when that fishery opened, we, we had the benefit 
of slightly higher flows, a little bit more turbidity in the water. We had a good cloud cover going on. That fishery started <laughs> off pretty solid, but now the river's dropped, cleared. We have clear skies, direct sunlight on the water. Man, that put a damper on that bite. Oh, yeah. I mean, sockeye, you look at the size of their eyeballs. I mean, they're a visual thing. And out in the ocean, when you think about what they eat, it's really small mice, shrimp, and things like that. So visually, when they go from salt water to river environment, they're a little skittish. I mean, there are a lot of fish up there. Um, they're around. Uh, getting them to go on anything is a whole other factor. Um, you got to focus on choke points. Anywhere where the fish are going to be funneled, um, it's one of the harder conditions to get uh, fish in is low, clear, cold water. They're going to move slower, and they're going to be pretty skittish. So a lot of pressure on the water with boats running over them um, really puts them off the bite. So you got to downsize gear, downsize baits, really focus on keeping your boat off of the fish. Um, you know, And that's why this – and that's a great point. And that's also, and Joey and I were talking about this, you know, before, right before your interview is look, that Skagit sockeye fishery will humble a boater because the guys on the bank that aren't making a lot of noise that can fish that first current seam, they're absolutely have an equal chance to people in the boat if they're in the right spot. And, 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 and or better. Yes. I mean, totally. Um, we make a lot of noise in the metal boat, banging and clinging around and dropping Even the, the electrical and, stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you just, there's so much that we don't know. So, I mean, if you're used to setting your gear back, say, 60 feet behind your boat, we're putting it 80 feet behind your boat, sure. 100 feet behind your boat. Um, if you're running a six-foot leader, go out to an eight. You know, try something a little different. And and still, um, you know, the, that's what you can control. What you can't control is the weather. And if it's 75 degrees out and a bluebird day, you know, you're going to want to focus on early in the morning, Bingo. early around in the day. Bingo. Yeah. Bingo. Yeah, those low light, you know, you're you're going to have a couple hours Launch of the day where you have low light yep. and you want to focus on those times. When that sun's up and it's on the water, you may just, might as well wrap it up and head home. And and then yeah. the, the flip side of that coin carry, too, is you you can spend time and get out there in the evenings when those shadows get long on the water then try to find that set of conditions that you talked about, about a choke point, a shaded choke point or something like that. I mean, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a morning angler. That's not for me. But, you know, just adapt and overcome. And I, and I think you hit all the points, smaller gear, get it back behind the boat and look for a shadow. Yeah, and there's a lot of real estate that's open to fish right now. Um, and that's one of the cool parts about it. You know, when you have these geographical closure areas, it really kind of confines you as an angler. But, like, you can – go down low um you can go way up high towards uh the baker underneath the Dallas bridge like you can figure stuff out and you know it's it's a lot of versatility and um those fish are moving um and when the water's like this they're mainly moving at night um probably coming on the tidal pushes and those are going to be the more aggressive fish once they come into a new area they're always going to be a little bit more snappy and then they're going to kind of settle down but I think that's kind of the key, um, you know, early or, or, you know, the after work crowd too, which is kind of a cool opportunity for oh, people. for sure. He's Kerry Hoffman. Check out bestseattlefishing.com. Kerry, keep in touch. Good luck on the callus today, bud, and keep, keep let us know how you do. All right. I appreciate it. Thanks All so right, much. All right, man. Talk Kerry. to you soon. Thank you. Uh, coming up next, Raymarine Picks of the Week here for the last time in June, but the first time this summer, dude. Here yes. we go. Summer weekend. Love it. Now the days are getting shorter, which is kind
kind of a bummer, but you know, it's okay. We'll we'll we'll, we'll, we'll manage. We'll manage. Yeah. We'll manage. All right. Rain Marine Picks of the Week coming at you next here in the Outdoor Line. Seattle Sports Station 710, Seattle Sports app. Welcome to the Outdoor Line Picks of the Week, presented by Ray Marine Electronics. Don't just go fishing, go hunting underwater. Ray Marine, simply superior. Ray Marine engineers the very best in visual navigation products with more than an 80-year legacy of marine technology. They lead the way in easy-to-use, durable, and reliable boating electronics. Always innovating. Check it out more at raymarine.com. Uh, back on the text toy, we, we just uh, heard from one of our par- uh, Peregrine guys, uh, Ronald Zwick, who was traveling with none le- no less than a legend <laughs> in, in, in his buddy Nils Peterson. These two were absolutely dandies. Wyman's going to talk about them during his segment a little bit later. We're going to have to check that thing out. We uh, Joey and I were struck this week by um, the loss of the Ocean Gate sub. We met a couple of these dudes. They were they were yeah. they were moored next to us at the Port of Everett for years. Yeah, for a couple of years. And um, we crawled all over that sub. We crawled all over the Titan. And, yeah, it and- was it was you know, they were next to us. We'd come in every day and we'd kind of chat with them, but eventually I, you know, I went over there and I was like, I want oh, yeah, I want to check this thing out, man. And they, and the hatch on that thing, the front is made is made of steel. The only part of it that, that was steel, it's carbon fiber. And they opened the the hatch, and the glass yeah. was like eighteen inches thick. It was huge. It was you this know the big, portal. Yeah, the bubble in in front of it, and and, uh, and then you look inside, and now now five people would go inside of that thing, and it was it was really tiny oh, in dude. there. Um, but yeah, just a, a horrible um, accident, and and uh, you know we feel for all the family members. Um, well, it, just. Just a sad deal. Everybody's seen the you know Titanic director James Cameron on you know, on the catastrophic implosion of that of that Titan submarine, and uh, you know James Cameron is quoted by saying, "You know, I'm struck by the similarity of the Titanic disaster itself, where the captain was repeatedly warned about the ice ahead of his ship, yet he steamed full head into an ice field, and now this 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 you know graveyard essentially has, has claimed five more lives. But yeah, just just the fact that we had so many interactions." And they come back, asked how we did in fishing, and we're asking what they're doing in the sub. And one of these days, they're going to go dive on the Titanic. And I'm thinking to myself, dude, two and a half miles down in that mm. thing, man, that that ain't my. Listen, I'm not a um, like, I don't want to jump out of an airplane. I no. don't want to go no, in a I'm, sub. No, two and a half miles. I'm good under the surface of the ocean. It ain't not my drill. Um, I, I'm not a thrill seeker at all. But some folks are, and and uh, I guess you know. For them, going two and a half miles down, and I mean, imagine yeah. going down there and actually seeing the Titanic's got to be an amazing yeah. experience. And, and, and the Port of Everett's reached out, you know, on a number of different fronts too. Because again, I mean, I mean you know, over a couple, just over two years, they were they were right next to us, right yeah. there, and just crazy. I mean, even you know, what Kathy and I were talking, she remembers coming down to the boat and seeing them too, and just crawling over that thing. It just you know, shocking, yeah, absolutely shocking. For sure. Thoughts and prayers uh, to the family and friends of of the whole Ocean Gate family, right there. Um, so. So, you know, we, we got a bunch of stuff. You got to love this time of year. Opportunities are opening up north, south, east, and west today with the opening of Westport Nowaco. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I'm just waiting for my phone to start starting to get oh, some yeah. information out of there. I think uh, a lot of those guys are probably running it out and hitting that 200 to 300 foot line, See, I would imagine. That's, that's the challenging. Or 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 yeah. those fish in close. They're on but, the beach. But. You know, the report we got from that troller was mm-hmm. they were on a large amount right. of Chinook, and, and they actually caught their fish in, like, record time. Yeah. I mean, they had, like, 180 Chinook, and boom, they were done. So, Crazy. 
Um, other stuff going on, though, around here. We, we kind of covered the, the Skagit thing. It was just starting to get going. We had, we had that cloud cover, some rainy days, and the fishing was pretty good. Uh, the numbers right now, uh, they've transferred 245 sockeye up to Baker Lake. They've captured a total of 608, and those numbers are just starting to oh, kind of yeah. climb. Yeah. Um, so, so, look, I'm not telling you don't go up there and fish, but like we talked to Carrie, focus on those early morning hours before the light's on the water and then those evening hours. And, and those evening hours, what you're going to have is probably less folks. You know, a lot of us fishermen like the morning Yeah. Yeah, we're deal, more right? morning deal. So the evenings may be a little less crowded, and the fishing can can be really good as that light starts to wane. Um, so I I got out and did something that that I hadn't done in many years. So I went out and I went sturgeon fishing with my friend oh, Josh. Oh yeah, dude. Uh, lured away guide service, and you know it's one of those things that we just kind of forget about up here. That all of these rivers, the Snohomish system, the Skagit. All of those mouth, the mouths, the estuaries hold sturgeon. So we, Chris and Neil and I went out with, with Josh and uh, we hooked three. We only fished for a few hours in the morning. We hooked three, landed two. One was 86 by 33, roughly 250 pound animal that was just, it's like hooking a freight train. <laughs> and I landed one that was probably 70 pounds. It was it was so much fun, yeah, those and my buddy Josh has got it dialed. If you want to go do that, uh, hit Josh up, Lured Away Guide Service. Um, Sturgeon are amazing animals, dude. There's no, they've only documented them spawning in three streams on the West Coast. They're so and, cool. And one of them's the Fraser, and one of them's the Sacramento, but the other one's the Skagit. Yep, and yeah. and they lend themselves to a catch and release fishery they do. well they're because tough, dude, look, they're tough. You're not going to hurt one no, of these. No, they're things. getting vacuum cleaner, downturn vacuum. They're dinosaurs, yeah. dude. They're they're tough. So you yeah. and I had an experience with some large animals the other day. We were heading in from from uh, running some of our gear out there. Mm-hmm. We you you cleaned the bottom of the boat and well, we yeah, fixed we... a couple things, trying to fix our little uh, not catching fish problem we were having. <laughs> we were just out running the electronics, checking things out, and we're just floating along there. And all of a sudden, you look over, and there's a pod of orcas within thirty feet of us, and we didn't. The boat we, was not moving. Bo- boat wasn't moving. Boat was not moving. Uh, we just sat there and had one of the coolest experiences I've ever had on the water. Five orcas. I believe it was probably like at three. Least, at least five. Yeah, and and it looked like um, some some large females and some some young sub adult orcas. You know, in that twelve to fifteen foot but, range. But they had the long dorsals yes. on them, which the, indicates that they're transients, right? The the salmon eating short fin, short dorsal guys. And, and then you can learn what, how to spot them. What popped up <laughs> in the middle of this circling uh, sea wolves circling. Was a was a, a harbor seal, a harbor seal that was less than enthusiastic about his plight. No, he was in a bad situation. Oh, he was, yeah. and he, he looked at us, and and yeah. and I think he he was looking for help, yeah. and um, he, none, he wasn't going to find none was forthcoming at no. that point. No, and, but that was an amazing experience, and and we so we these, watched them, and and the mothers what they were doing was they're teaching those young how to hunt. They're coaching them up. One of the young ones tried to tail slap that seal, and it was like a <laughs> it was like a fumbling left handed throw. Right, it just didn't hit the mark. It was hilarious, and then mom came behind this thing and inhaled him, and then it was show over. That's a eighty pound. It was a large harbor seal, eighty. Yeah, sure. I mean, and she, 
she grabbed it in her mouth and it just disappeared and she went under and then they were gone. Yeah. So um, when the statute of limitations runs out on that, we may just go ahead and post it. But uh, <laughs> but no, we the boat was not moving. They came over to us, which again is just indicative of the alarmist SRKW thing about vessel avoidance and all that stuff. It's food availability. And when we cut hatchery Chinook plants, we are cutting their food source plain and simple. Absolutely. Plain and simple, which is why I read with great glee and satisfaction about the double drubbing that the Wild Cash Conservancy took in court this week, where not only the closure of uh, the SEAK troll fishery was struck down, but the prey availability program brought on by the Pacific Salmon Commission, and I tried to reach out to Phil Anderson this week, uh, who former director of the um, Pacific Salmon Commission, because you know he, him, and I have talked about this at great length. Um, dude, we need to keep our hatchery Chinook output up because, look, government made a deal with us years ago when they logged all the forests. They said they no, damned our they rivers. Damned our rivers. And diked and developed and all this stuff. And they said, don't worry, we're going to keep our hatchery program. Okay, well now, oh, well, now we got to cut our hatchery. It's, it's just a money cop-out is mm-hmm. all it is. And government's got lots of money. They can spend some on hatcheries. So. Absolutely. So also, if you guys are uh, interested, we um, we actually worked with uh, David Gutman of the Seattle Times over the past couple weeks. And, and I think he may have written something that may be coming out in the Seattle Times about about our little radio show and uh, about uh, about us, so we we took him and his photographer out on the Lincod fishery and had a day, dude. Know? That was so much. Fun. We we had a day. We like, had a day. If you're going to have the Seattle Times yeah. on the boat, you go out and you just whale yeah. on the Lincod and you catch. You know, that's the morning we had uh, a 24 inch Lincod coming up and a. A thirty-five and a half inch link cod grabbed it around the middle, and we scooped up the whole mess. Yeah, we it had it awesome. was it was just the whole live bait program is such an amazing, just crazy. All right, uh, pack second hour. Lauren Bivens, Harbor Marine, going to talk to us about the Dungeness Crab and Drill at Harbor on Tuesday, June twenty seventh at six p.m. Come join us there. We're going to run you down. We're going to get your crab season off to a fast start. Bob's air, Bob's heating and air conditioning, Northwest Outdoor Port, and then. The crusty linebacker himself, number 92 in your program, number one in your heart, Dave Wyman, <laughs> who joined us uh, on the Haida Gwaii trip to the Peregrine Lodge. Going to get his uh, his take on the whole deal. That, Roy Robinson's really wearing a pile more. Stay tuned for a jam-packed chucker block full hour two of the Outdoor Line. Seattle Sports Station 710, Seattle Sports app.